God of unimaginable grace and mercy, on this winter morning, we offer to you our prayers, our joys, our concerns, our worries, and our celebrations. As we worship, as we sing, as we pray, as we listen, and as we gather at the table with our gifts to give and Jesus' gifts to receive, we pray that we will get a glimpse of your power and love, which is ever-expanding and ever-present. Remind us that there is no place we can go in our lives where you are not with us, offering us a love that passes all understanding and a grace that is full and all-encompassing. No choice we make will change the way you love us. Your Son has claimed us as salt and light. Our very essence as humans and followers of Christ adds a flavor and energy to your world, and you will not have us forget this. In your image we are made, and in your image all those we meet are made. In our living as disciples of the Christ, may we embrace who we have been created to be. May we joyfully live out the salt and light for the world that you have infused in us. When we stray from the path of positive and constructive decisions, or life takes us into a darkness that is insecure and unpredictable, help us to remember that we are your beloved children, that we are capable and made to bring love and hope and peace into the world. Guide us when we lose our way, when we lose our patience, when we lose sight of another's humanity and worthiness. May your peace be ours when life gets away from us and when we feel overwhelmed and exhausted. As we travel alongside others who are walking in bleak or lonely places, may we be salt and light. May we be a loving and encouraging presence, sharing the love and grace that you have so generously shared with us. We pray all of this in your name.
The witness of scripture this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your God in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven.
This is one of the first stories we teach our children. Most three-year-olds who have been around church know this teaching from Jesus, even if they don't know it is Jesus who teaches them. And you probably know it as well. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. Okay, stop, right there. <laughs> Since Satan is not as much of a focus of disciple theology as compared to some other religious traditions, we might not be inclined to sing those words yet. At the same time, we acknowledge there are always threats and forces seeking to douse the light of Christ. So perhaps something like, don't let idols crowd it out. I'm going to let it shine. See, idolatries in their many forms are always much more of a threat than anything old scratch can throw at us. So it's good to hear from their earliest days, to tell our children what Jesus said, you are the light of the world, let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. We tell our children what Jesus said because there is an endless array of voices that will always be telling them something else and these voices do not get softer as we grow older. You are athletic, uncoordinated. You're smart, incompetent. Beautiful, unattractive, consumer, poor, mainstream, marginal, interdependent, autonomous, productive, failure, worthy, unqualified, beloved, rejected, elite, unworthy. It's not that life could ever be void of these variety of voices, some of which in any given situation may be important, even if what is said can be difficult to hear. The question is, which voice, which message shapes who we are and how we relate to everyone else? Jesus weighed in on that. And he wants us to know you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Names that can give direction and that have implications for the ways we live. Jesus says you are foundational ingredients in this world. You are salt and light. Last week our a family gathered in Waco to celebrate my father's 100th birthday. 
Since we were there for several days, we had time for a number of conversations, many of which focused on his history and his growing up. But then, out of the blue, he asked this question. What is TikTok? <laughs> Not being a TikToker, the simple response is that it is a social media platform primarily used by younger people to share short videos of dancing, singing, or humor. That's not very helpful, my father responded. <laughs> so a little further explanation was required. Like most internet platforms, it is often used for self-promotion. So, if you would like to do a dance celebrating 100 years, we could record that and we could post it so others could see. He was not impressed. <laughs> TikTok exists to pour the salt and shine the light on the self. We can safely assume then that when Jesus said, you are salt and you are light, he was presuming another platform for another purpose because he said that the purpose of shining the light was not to reflect it on the self, but to help people see the good presence of and to give thanks for God. Now, what Jesus says here is part of that larger body of teachings that Matthew calls the Sermon on the Mount. It spans three chapters in his gospel, and it is the most concentrated collection of Jesus' teachings. If it is one sermon, it provides a lifetime of thought. Evidence of which is that 2,000 years later, it still inspires and challenges. It still envisions and critiques. Perhaps the Sermon on the Mount is something of Jesus's I have a dream speech, and that analogy may be helpful as long as we realize that as it was with King on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, so it is with Jesus on the heights of the mountain. This is more than clever rhetoric. It's a way of living that is to be embodied in practice. Jesus is seeking to shape lives and to transform the world. Having just proclaimed who is blessed as per God's values, the humble, the compassionate, the gentle, the just, the merciful, the persevering, the peacemakers, prophets. We know these as the Beatitudes. Jesus then tells those gathered to listen to him that no matter what the world has told them, and keep in mind that many of those scattered down the hillsides that day might not have made it into the Galilean Gazette of the best or most successful people. Jesus says, that they are, in fact, exactly as God has created them to be. Jesus says, you are salt. You are light. 
Not, you should be, or you might become, or you must strive. You are God's salt. You are God's light. In other words, grace. The challenge then, and the challenge still, is to find ways to live out of that grace. Because far too often, far too many expressions of Christianity have turned grace into boundaries of exclusivity and fortresses of superiority. Author and professor Marcus Borg, who for years taught religion at the university level, commented that about half of his students who grew up outside of the church had a very negative view of Christianity, frequently describing the Christians they knew as literalistic, anti-intellectual, self-righteous, judgmental, and bigoted. Salt and light lives between the extremes of self-promotion whether that's a platform called TikTok or a presumption of religious privilege. It's tempting when we hear these words from Jesus to assume that he is throwing out religious history and that he is starting over with an entirely new way. Fred Craddock tells the humorous story of the New York City bus driver who for 16 years of traveling the same route with the same people on the same bus day after day, one day climbed into the driver's seat of the bus and drove it to Miami. <laughs> now, tempting as that might be, when the ruts have gotten so deep, Jesus is neither preaching nor promoting a faith that goes off course. He's neither doing away with the law nor ignoring the prophets. In fact, it's the opposite. Jesus says he has come to fulfill the law and the prophets. He's come to proclaim that every I is to be dotted and every T is to be crossed and that those who are salt and light are to be more scrupulous than the most dedicated of scribes and Pharisees. However, when Jesus says this, he is not promoting a rigid religion of rules and regulations. Instead, he is proclaiming a liberating religion of compassion and companionship. Well, where does he get that idea? From the very religion in which he is raised. From the very faith that we have all inherited. And that takes us and Jesus to Isaiah. Apparently, his favorite prophet, based solely on the number of times Jesus quotes him. We heard from Isaiah earlier, reciting part of the 58th chapter as our litany of faith. The story is that Israel has been in exile and in captivity, and they're returning home. 
It's like any time of starting over after trauma or tragedy, there is an opportunity for evaluation and reformation, a time to proclaim what matters most in life and what matters most in faith. Now, we know that when a prophet speaks, their words are very often focused and loud. When something is said with such intensity, it can be difficult to absorb what is being emphasized and nuance can get lost. When we hear Isaiah's warning to the returning Israelites, it can come across as a rejection of worship as ritual and practice. It can sound like Isaiah is saying, your hymns, your liturgies, your prayers, your sermons are just a bunch of meaningless noise and God will not hear. Now, to be sure, that comes as harsh words to those of us gathered for worship. But that's not what Isaiah is saying. Instead, what Isaiah is saying is that authentic, fulfilling faith and worship never separates ritual from justice, never divides praise from ethics. What Isaiah warns against, what Isaiah says God has no use for and will not listen to, is faith and worship that is self-absorbed, self-promoting, self-centered, and other indifferent. Call it TikTok worship. Neither Isaiah before him nor Jesus as his successor idolized individual morality and personal piety. Instead, the worship of God and the life of faith expresses both a reverence for God and a love for neighbor, which later in Matthew is what Jesus said is the greatest commandment. Worship that is genuine. Faith that is fulfilling means that the salt we are given and the light we have received are meant to be dispersed and disseminated, not contained and consumed. As Steve Thorngate observes, ritual and justice are both major biblical themes, but they don't exist in a push-pull relationship. They are integral to each other. We honor God with genuine, ethically infused religious ritual within which we pursue God's interest rather than our own. So worship that is authentic, faith that is fulfilling, is not about working harder or doing more but it is about participating in God's actions in this world so that God can be seen in the acts that we do. This is not works righteousness. Instead, it's righteous works. This is not moral perfection. Instead, it is loving justice that helps make our little corners of the world a little bit better. We may not always be able to explain that, but we are called to embody it. 
fulfilling faith, which is to say living fully the faith we are called to live as salt and light. And fulfilling faith, which is to say there is nothing more meaningful and nothing more gratifying than living so faithfully. Last Saturday at my father's 100th birthday party, held in their sanctuary where he attends, a sanctuary that also doubles as the church's fellowship hall, it's a place where he has worshipped and served for more than 55 years. There were a couple of people who spoke. One spoke personally and the other publicly. The similarity of their words was striking. For both spoke of my father's gentle and steadfast courage. What they were thinking about when they said that was the 1960s which while he was teaching at a university that proudly proclaims its Christian heritage, my father stood against those who refused to integrate the university, refused to admit an African-American student. He became the primary advocate for that student who was subsequently admitted. Maybe from this vantage point, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But if you live through the 1960s, you know. And as if that wouldn't have gotten him in enough trouble, he, a veteran of two wars, stood in protest of the war in Vietnam. How ironic that the Christian institution opposed my father's advocacy for racial equality and for peace and an end to the war. It probably cost him. It cost him some advancement. But he stood there. He stood there with gentle, steadfast courage, salt and light, a righteousness exceeding the scribes and Pharisees. And as his friends joined in singing a robust happy birthday, I could hear another song. Its gentle, resolute rhythm was singing. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.